Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts that guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by sponsors like Johnsonville Foods, SwineWeb.com, Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hog Hearth, and SwineTech, the award-winning creator of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how you can reduce piglet crushing and your overall pre-winning mortalities by nearly 25%, visit SwineTechnologies.com. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Michael Tokash, a swine nutritionist at Kansas State University. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Well, thank you. So I'm excited to talk with you today about some of the research you've been doing around slowing the growth rate in pigs due to the whole COVID pandemic and uh, to, to learn about what you what you found. But to start things off, I'd really just like to hear about how you got involved in the pork industry and and what was your inspiration? Well, I grew up on a diversified livestock operation in North Dakota. And we, like a lot of smaller farms, we had row crops and and particularly beef cattle. Uh, my family has an Angus operation there. And we also had pigs that, that uh, paid a lot of the bills. And, and, and I was one of the ones in the family that, that took a liking to, to working with the pigs. And, and when I went to college at North Dakota State University, I ran into Joe Crenshaw as a, a, a person that, that uh, really influenced me there as my, that taught uh, the swine production class. And I think that's one of the things that I always want to emphasize with um, people in some of the states that don't have major swine populations is as having one or two people at a university that, that can uh, help direct some young people that have the interest into the swine industry can be quite helpful. And Joe talked me into uh, looking at, at um, grad school when I was finishing up my undergrad and gave me a few leads and, and that's led me into you know, uh, going to grad school and then where I am today. And so what are you doing today? What is, uh, what is your role and then what, what have you been what you've been up to? Yeah, I've, I've been at Kansas State University as an extension specialist and swine nutritionist for almost 30 years now. And, and after I finished up my, I, I came here for my master's degree um, and then went to the University of Minnesota for my PhD. And when I was finishing my PhD, I, I jumped at the opportunity to go back to Kansas because I, I really enjoyed the people that I worked with there and, and the team atmosphere that that the, was uh, was built in the department. And, and fortunately, after I got on staff, we were able to continue that and to build our team and and now we have a, a I think a fabulous group of applied swine nutritionists that, that I'm able to work together with on a daily basis and 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 have had a, a, a number of graduate students that have come through here that that have have really been important to the swine industry and and it's uh, been a lot of fun for me to be involved with helping to to train some of the people that are making a lot of the major decisions in in our pork production businesses. It's very impressive, all of the, the stuff that goes on at K-State, and uh, it, it's true that anywhere you go in the industry, uh, any of the major operations, any of the major, major brands, it always seems to link back to Kansas State and the nutrition program. Uh, I'll actually never forget when I was at K-State on uh, your swine research farm, just uh, the creativity of that painted pig, you know, not the wild cat, but the wild pig. 
Man, that, power that pig. Awesome. <laughs> no, what was it called? It was. It was a power. It's. It's basically after the power cat, which is our, of course our our emblem. It. It looks like a power pig. Yeah, the power pig. <laughs> it, it was awesome. So I guess I, what what research have you been doing during the pandemic, and uh, maybe just walk us through some of that. Yeah, well, there's two parts of my job. Uh, really, there's a student training side and the extension side. And, and you know, and, uh, during the pandemic, you know, we've worked uh, uh, with our students that, that are, we have a number of our production research facilities across the U.S. that in pr- private um, systems, and they've not shut down. And so so they've been uh, continually going and, and we're able to do research with them. And the students have also been very busy summarizing and writing. And we finished a couple PhDs and master's students that are, are moving on out into the industry and uh, over this time period. And the other half of my job has been dealing with uh, helping producers that are uh, going through this crisis and figuring out how to slow pigs down and, and, and be able to, to um, manage the, the uh, backup, uh, backup in, in the packing plants. And that's where we've led to some of the ongoing research where what uh, we just put out the news release on is, is uh, some trials that we did. Uh, we're in the middle of another trial on that area, um, and hopefully we're not going to have to use this information again this fall, but it, it is really nice to know that we have it and, and that, that the, what the data uh, has been able to confirm some of the things that we were seeing when we implemented some of these diets in the field. So for those who might be listening that don't know, would you mind explaining the, the importance of the research of slowing down the growth rate of pigs? Why was this something you were looking at? Well, certainly, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of our effort and a lot of time over the years trying to figure out how to speed up the growth of pigs. And, and so that's what, you know, almost all of our research has been how to grow pigs faster, more efficiently, uh, at a lower cost uh, to, you know, for uh, providing products for the consumer. And, and so when we ran into the situation this spring, when the packing plants started having some COVID-19 cases with their workers and having to, to shut some of the doors, we quickly found that we were having a backup on, of pigs at the uh, farm level. And so we were faced with either having to slow those pigs down so they didn't get too heavy uh, to be able to market them at, and in the normal channels, or they were going to have to euthanize the pigs. And and so uh, we, we took some fairly drastic steps in, in, in a number of production systems, and, and not only our group, but I know a number of feed companies, a number of, uh, you know, Iowa State did a really good job of, of, of coming out with some initial research to, to show that, that uh, what could be done with individual pigs and some of their trials, and, and we wanted to expand that to do with, with group pigs. Um, and, and so what really we're looking at is, is how to slow those pigs down by re- reducing the uh, dietary lysine concentration. Um, we, we wanted to take something that we knew uh, would, would slow the pigs without uh, get compromising their skeletal structure uh, and, without, so, and trying to not cause any vices in the pigs. And, and so that was the approach that we took is trying to figure out the timing that we could implement diets uh, that would not cause problems in the barn. And so is that more or less that, that strategy when you came into this was how, how do we reduce that rate of, rate of gain without adjusting a lot of the other, uh, other factors at play? Because, I mean, you, you always were focused on the, how, how much could we put on a pay, how quickly could they grow, and now we're completely inverting that. What was your strategy going in um, 
for that? Well, we know that a number of producers took different strategies and, and we, all the things that we know that help improve growth rate, such as not being uh, too crowded in terms of stocking density, not having too many pigs in a feeder space, you know, the, um, keeping the barns cool and, and, and cooling the pigs in, in the hot weather, all those things we know improve growth rate. And so, of course, the opposite um, helps the slow growth rate. And so production systems did take a number of different strategies trying to, to find space and to to buy time uh, to be able to to uh, extend the, the amount of time those pigs had uh, to uh, before they'd have to be uh, processed and the the strategy on the the diets is we really uh, first talked about you know slow trying to look at calcium phosphorus ratios or looking at at you know other ways of cheapening up the diet you know some people talked about removing the vitamins and minerals or reducing the phosphorus level but those those do save some money in the diet but it's relatively small amount of savings as compared to the potential downside uh, when you put pigs on a diet that's deficient in phosphorus or deficient in vitamins and minerals you have the risk of, of running into uh, broken bones or, or vices, and and so we really uh, caution people not to take those approaches, and I, and I don't think very many producers did. And but when you take the opportunity to reduce the the lysine concentration, we know that it in a normal situation that's not a good thing to do because feed efficiency gets worse, growth rate goes down, the cost to feed the pig per pound of gain uh, goes up. Um, but when you're uh, looking at the situation that we're in, the cost per pound of gain is really not the most critical factor. It's it, you're really looking at the cost to feed that pig on a daily basis and how many days can you extend that and and basically keep that pig around and and what we found out is, is that just by uh, reducing the lysine level towards the end of the finishing stage uh, we can buy another four weeks of time pretty easily on that on that pig's life so what uh was the sample size what was the research method you 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 used what was uh what was it like to run this trial well, this trial was done at our research farm here at Kansas State University, and, and uh, in the, those barns, um, there was about uh, uh, 300 pigs on, on test and eight pigs per pen to 10 pigs per pen, uh, and, um, and so not, not exactly the exact same as, as a 25 pig per pen you know, field study, um, but we get very similar results we find between our facility and what we see in some of our field trials. And so, uh, so the, uh, the graduate student, uh, Johnson uh, Rao, was the one that ran the study and did a fabulous job of, of, of uh, putting things together and reporting to us on a regular basis. We were, we were a little worried at first about seeing vices and, and whether we were going to run into any problems. Um, but uh, So he, he scored all those kind of things, and, and we really didn't have any, any uh, negative problems to speak of. What he, he did in the study was fed uh, four different uh, diets, um, and we had, for at the beginning, for the first month of the trial, we just had two diets. We had a normal diet and a lysine-deficient diet, reducing the lysine level from about 0.7 to 0.5%, and, and then after that uh, four-week period, uh, for the last uh, two weeks of the study, uh, we put the pigs on onto, we split those and put them on either the, uh, the, the lower lysine diet. Um, it, either they stayed on that diet or they went to what we called a, a, a holding diet or basically a corn-only diet. And that's a corn, vitamins and minerals and, and phosphorus uh, type diet um, that many in the industry used. And then we had the pigs that came from our normal diet that went also onto that uh, that 
corn only diet as compared to staying on the normal diet and and so at the end of the the study uh, the pigs on the that went from the slowdown to the uh, the corn diet uh, we were able to drop their body weight by about 26 pounds over this six week time period and and on that uh, corn only diet they're gaining right about a pound per day uh, on that diet what, what we see in the field is they gain anywhere from one to about 1.15 pounds per day on that kind of diet um, and and then then they uh, if you think about that as, as we had them 26 pounds lighter uh, and so that it, it, normally if pigs are gaining close to two pounds a day that would buy you about two weeks but because they're gaining about a pound per day um, you can actually buy a, at least another couple weeks and so you have a, at least four extra weeks uh, to uh, bought in terms of uh, being able to have extra uh, time to, to be able to market those pigs by putting them on that holding diet. Like I said, mentioned earlier, though, it is does come with a cost. Um, it's not something that you'd want to obviously do on a regular basis because the the pigs are not gaining as much weight, so their feed efficiency is much poorer. And but the cost per day to keep that pig around is less. What other things did you find through the through the study? Was that the was that the big the big takeaway? Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway is is, is that we can use a, this corn-only diet quite effectively. Uh, the other thing that that uh, we found out was that the one treatment that we had the the lysine deficient diet that we fed for the entire six weeks, as compared to doing the normal diet and then doing just two weeks of the corn-only diet, they had actually the exact same body weight at the end of of the the period. And so it, it told us that we have different strategies that producers can use, and and we don't have to do a, a slowdown all the way through the grow finish period in order to uh, buy that extra time, we can actually implement it in a relatively short period of time at the end of the finisher and 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 still achieve uh, the, the goal and the results in terms of, of, of how much uh, slowdown that we needed to, to have on these pigs. And I, I think that was a, a really important take home for us is that uh, we, we don't need to uh, try to plan out four or five months in advance in terms of slowing these pigs down is that we can do it on a, on a relatively short two to four week period uh, and, and achieve very similar uh, end, end results. Yeah, and like you said earlier, ho hopefully this isn't something that has to be implemented again. Uh, however, that is that is pretty great to know that a two to four month time frame can work because, uh, in theory, if things start shutting down, you may have a two to four month heads up, and and that might be all the time you need. Yeah, two to four weeks is. Uh, is if I, oh, I apologize weeks. if I said that wrong. Yeah, no, it's I a, did. Two to Okay, uh, two to four weeks is about what uh, what uh, we uh, need to to really get some slowdown on them. And the other nice thing about doing that at the end is that you're past the point of where those pigs have their maximum protein deposition, and so uh, it doesn't have as big a negative impact in terms of the carcass composition. It does make the pigs add a little more back fat. There's no question. We saw that in our study, uh, but but the the loin area um, on on a body weight basis isn't greatly reduced. The the other benefit of having it past that peak protein deposition is we don't run into some of the problems with, with vices uh, because we are, are uh, that far below their amino acid requirements. So where does the industry go from here with, the, with this information? Is this something that we, we have on the side that's nice to know and a peace of mind or is this something we can be actively be using today? 
Well, I, I, I'm hoping that this is something that we can file away and, and, and have it in our reserve in case we need to come back to it at some day in the future. Uh, that's certainly what the hope is. Uh, we know that the, our packing capacity is going to be strained again this fall. And, and if we run into any of our, any COVID problems, uh, we're, we're a little worried that, that we might have to use some of these strategies again this fall, but hopefully that won't be the case. So for this study, you didn't necessarily have a huge heads up notice, just like about everybody else that's going through COVID. You had to jump right into this. Uh, what prepared you for, for, for this, this situation and, and this, uh, during this pandemic? Well, I've been very fortunate to work with a number of, of excellent pork producers over the years, and, and they've always asked good question and, and, and ha- allowed me to kind of think like an owner of the business in terms of uh, what the, the impact it has on the bottom line to a pork production system. And so, you know, going through this, you obviously um, have a great empathy for the situation that producers are going through and trying to come up with ways to help uh, get answers to them. You know, we've had uh, trials in the past where we fed lysine deficient diets and, and we've done different strategies with phosphorus deficient diets that for particular trials. And when we're looking at phytase trials as an example, or we've done trials where we've done digestibility studies where we've had very, very high corn levels or very, very high DDGS levels and and some of these various strategies. And so we had a little bit of an idea about how the pigs would respond when we deal with them on a small scale basis. Um, And so, so it, you, well, there's a little bit of, of trepidation going into applying this across, you know, large, large numbers of pigs, uh, but we'd seen what the results were on smaller groups of pigs, and it kind of, you know, goes back to showing the importance of doing research on a, on a regular basis and, and to, to provide some of that baseline information, and so I think we did have a, a, a pretty good idea going into to things in, in terms of uh, what we may be able to do. And, and I do have to credit, again, my colleagues at, at the other universities, Nick Gabler at Iowa State uh, with their crew, uh, put one of the very first trials together and, and commend them for doing an excellent job of looking at some different strategies that producers might uh, want to think about. And then a number of feed companies did very quick trials to try to get data in the hands of their customers, and that all helped the entire industry. And, and I really think that's one of the lessons we learned is the industry worked together very closely on, on trying to come up with strategies to help each other. So speaking of the industry, to wrap things up, if you had a golden nugget for the industry, um, what would it be? Well, I think the biggest one for me is ties into that that last message is that always remember that you're not alone and that there we're all in this together and, and this it's a very tough time for the industry, and it's still ongoing for many because of the low market prices. Uh, you need to talk to others, learn, share, grieve, and celebrate uh, together. And and that's the anytime we're dealing with a crisis, uh, we need to think about those different areas. And and certainly that's one been one of the biggest lessons for me is is you know talking to the colleagues in the industry and colleagues at other universities. We learned a lot from each other and helped each other through a lot of these situations and. And of course, like I mentioned, it's still ongoing for many producers, and and I want them to know that that they they feel free to reach out to to anybody uh, because uh, we we do have a lot of empathy for for what's going on with producers right now, and 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 want to help any way possible. Well, I want to thank you uh, a ton for taking the time to hop on this this podcast and talk about your research and all of that success that you guys had in that. And uh, I'm sure there's a ton of people listening. They're just fascinated by what you were able to find. And, and I'm sh- 
I'm sure it's it's uh, going to be a big peace of mind for producers out there knowing that this research has been done in case we have to go through something like this again. Um, knock on wood, hopefully we don't. Um, but I want to thank you. We really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your expertise with us. All right, thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. Therefore, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com and subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. Today's episode is brought to you by sponsors like SwineTech. Leverage the power of computer vision, voice recognition, and real-time behavioral monitoring to reduce mortalities and labor inefficiencies in the farrowing house. For more information, visit swinetechnologies.com.